I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22. Matthew, chapter 22, verse 1. We've reached Matthew 22, but nothing has really changed since last week. It's still Tuesday of Jesus' crucial week. Holy week. Passion week. Jesus is still standing in the temple courts arguing with the chief priests and the teachers, the elders of Israel. In fact, he's just finished giving them two parables. And now he's about to give them a third parable with pretty much the same point as the last two. If you remember, on Sunday of Crucial Week, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey to the shouts of, Hosanna to the Son of David! And then on Monday, he turned over the tables in the temple, mad about what they were doing with his father's house. And then on Tuesday, this day, same day as we are now, he pointed to a fig tree that had no figs. It was pretending to have figs. It was all leaves, but no figs. And Jesus cursed it as an illustration of both great faith and his rightful expectation of fruit from our lives. The chief priests and the elders asked him by what authority he was doing these things, and Jesus asked them a question right back. He said, was John's baptism from heaven or from men? And they didn't like either of those options, so they said they didn't know, which made it clear what the answer really was. So Jesus said he wasn't going to answer their question and then told them two stories. Both of those stories highlighted his own authority. In the first story, there are two sons. And one says he's not going to work, but changes his mind. He repents and does. And, in the, and the other son looks good on paper, saying he's going to work, but then doesn't show up for it. It's not those who say they are righteous, but those who are repentant and bear fruit in keeping with repentance that are righteous. And then the second story was more involved. It was about a man who had a vineyard and left some tenants in charge of farming it while he was away. Do you remember this story from last week? And he'd sent these servants to collect the rent in expected fruit, but the tenants rejected the collectors. So then he patiently sent some more. And then he sent his son. And they killed his son. That was a shocker. And everybody knew that he was going to bring those wretches to a wretched end and give the vineyard to other tenants who will share their crop at harvest time. The chief priests and the Pharisees realized that these parables were about them. And so they were looking for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowds. That's where we are in the story. By the end of the week, he's going to be crucified. And by Sunday morning, he's going to be back from the dead. It's right after those two stories, those two parables, that Matthew gives a third parable from the lips of Jesus. This parable is also about the authority of Jesus and the dignity of Jesus. And because it's in the Gospel of Matthew, keep your eye on the ball, It's also about the identity of Jesus. Because it's always about the identity of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Who is this Jesus? When you know the answer to that question, you are compelled to follow Him. All we're going to do today is just look at this one parable. It's verses 1 through 14 of Matthew 22. And I'm going to title the message from the command in verse 4, Come to the Wedding Banquet. So if you're taking notes, that's the title this morning. Come to the Wedding Banquet. That is the whole point of this whole story. Come to the Wedding Banquet. Now remember, parables are stories with a shove. So if we read this parable and we don't feel at least a little bit shoved, 
We're doing it wrong. Because Jesus certainly did it right. You ready? Let's jump in. Verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Now just stop there for a second. Because there's a lot in that first sentence of this parable. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. You ever wonder what the kingdom of heaven is like? Well, Jesus tells us with an analogy, with a a parable. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is Jesus' favorite thing to teach about. The kingdom of God is his favorite subject. And here we have an analogy to the kingdom of heaven. It's like a time when a king prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Now, I think that all three things that we've already been introduced to in this story stand for something in reality. What do you think the king is like? Are you with with me? God, right. And specifically, God the Father. And the Son of the King is like what? Jesus, God the Son. Now, we know that this Son is Jesus, but these folks haven't put all that together yet. And as they do, they get madder and madder about the idea. Now, the Son only gets mentioned in this story in verse 2. But he is really important to the whole story, okay? So keep your eye on the ball. When you're in the Gospel of Matthew, the question is always, who is Jesus? Well, he is the Son, okay? So that's very important, understanding this parable. In this story, the king is the main character. We get to see and hear what he does. The Son doesn't do anything in the story, but it's all about him. We know from verse 2 why he does it. Why he does what he does in this story. It is for his son. And this wedding banquet. So we've got the king, we've got the king's son, and we've got this wedding banquet. What is that? Well, I think it's clearly a picture of the messianic banquet promised in the Old Testament and fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Another way of saying it is it's heaven. It's the enjoyment of the new heavens and the new earth. It's the kingdom. The kingdom of God is a party. The kingdom of God is a party. It is joy-filled, jubilant, flourishing enjoyment of the Messiah, who is the son of the king. Now, if verse 2 is the only verse we had about this story, how do you think it would end? Sounds like a good story, doesn't it? I mean, the king is putting on a lavish, joyful, sumptuous wedding banquet for his son. Who wants to go to that? I mean, that sounds great, right? That's a party. I want to go. And verse 2 will tell us that he has already sent out a save the date invitation. I almost called this sermon save the date. There are people who have been told that this event was going to happen. And now they're going to be told that all the preparations are finished and it's time to party. Ready? Verse 3. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. (laughs) You never know what's going to happen in one of Jesus' stories, do you? These people say that they don't want to come to the king's party. There's a word for that, right? Stupid, that's a good word. I was thinking treason. Assuming they are subjects of the king, 
Why would they not want to come? I don't know. It's stupid. It's rebellion. It's dangerous. We are not told here why they refused to come. Perhaps they thought the king was getting kind of weak. Perhaps he has a political rival, a neighboring kingdom that they were hoping would soon take over. They didn't have to listen to that king anymore. We're not told. It, it, it actually doesn't have anything to do with the story. But we can see from here that it's a bad idea to refuse. Verse 4. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf, cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. There's our sermon title. Now that's amazing, isn't it, how patient this king is? It's a lot like the last story that we looked at last week, right? When the king kept sending those servants to collect the fruit, and every time they said, no, we're not going to give you the rent. No, we're not going to give you the rent. They're, they're mistreating them, and eventually he sends his son, and they kill him. He kept serving them. Is, is this king dumb? Is he foolish? No, he's patient. The servants in the last story were the prophets. And I think these servants are as well. Maybe, in fact, these servants are the apostles. John the Baptist and Jesus' disciples because now everything is ready. The kingdom of heaven is near. Tell those who've been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Now, whose banquet is this? It's the king's. And it's for whom? It's for the Son. Here's application point number one. It's very obvious. Come to Jesus. Because Jesus is the whole point of the banquet. Jesus is the whole point of the kingdom. Jesus is the whole point of everything. Come to Jesus. Put your faith in Him. Put your trust in Him. Put your hope in Him. And begin to follow Him with your life. Because Jesus is where the life is. I love the image here of the big barbecue, right? Do you, do you smell this when you read that verse? The oxen are butchered. The fattened calf are on the grill. Mmm. You can just about smell it. There's, they've been marinated. I'm going to get it ready now. You're going to go home. You're going to be like, we're going to grill today, right? There's probably corn on that grill. And there's, and there's potato salad. And you know there's deviled eggs, right? And what's all that banquet about? It's about Jesus. This is what it means to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior now and forever. It's to enjoy Him forever. That's what the kingdom is. The kingdom is a party. Have you come to Jesus? Because sadly, many people simply refuse to do so. Look at verse 5. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. You never know what's going to happen in one of Jesus' stories. It's strange that these people are so apathetic, so indifferent to the kingdom. I don't know, is this how you do it? Like somebody invites you to a party and you're like, I'm not coming to your party. And you beat up the person that invites you to the party. 
It's so strange. They heard the servants say, come to the wedding banquet. And they paid no attention and they wandered off, one to his field, another to his business. In a similar story in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus tells, they make lame excuses as to why they're skipping the party. Oh, I've got to wash my cat. Catch this. Every lame excuse is an affront to the dignity of the son of the king. See, we say, oh, well, I guess they just didn't want to come. Yeah, this is the king inviting you to the banquet of his son. So when you say, I'm busy, you are saying that son is worthless. Every lame excuse is an affront to the dignity of the son of the king. And these folks just can't be bothered to come to the wedding banquet of the son of the king. That's crazy. You know, sin is irrational. Sin doesn't make sense when you look at it under the microscope. I mean, why would anyone reject Jesus? Why would anyone not come to Jesus? But what kind of apathy do we see out there all over the place today? Have you come to Jesus? Or are you making excuses? These folks that Jesus was talking to were in the process of rejecting Him, most of them. The Pharisees and the chief priests and so on. They should have been gladly running to Him and bowing their knee before the Messiah and the King in the temple courts. Imagine what that would have been like if that's what they'd done. But instead they were turning up their noses and worse. Verse 6, the rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. Come to the wedding banquet. No way, you're dead. They're trying to overthrow their king, aren't they? This is just rebellion. This is shocking behavior. But it is what Israel has been doing for so long. Verse 7, the king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Now that is at least a picture of judgment and hell, which are real things. And that is what is in store for all who reject Jesus. But it's probably also predicting the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. We'll think some more about all that when we get to chapter 24. Because Israel was rejecting their Messiah, they were going to face rejection themselves. Come to Jesus before it's too late. Let me ask you, do you think this king was overreacting? Obviously, they'd mistreated and murdered some of his servants, so a judicial response was required. But there's something much greater than the servants that's being mistreated, isn't there? It's the Son. They were rejecting the Son. And what's the proper response to that? Come to Jesus. Don't reject the Son. I was just reading Psalm 2 this week. Psalm 2 warns the kings of the earth. It says, kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. If you don't receive the Son, 
There will be hell to pay. But there is blessing for those who take refuge in him. Kiss the son. Come to Jesus. Now there's still a barbecue on. The city is burning, but there's still a party in the story waiting to happen at the king's palace. So, verse 8, Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Here's application point number two. Invite others to Jesus. Invite others to Jesus. He's too good to keep him to ourselves. The king says, go out and invite others to the banquet. And who does he want to come? Anyone you find. He says, hit the streets. Beat the bushes. Go around town and out into the country. This is the Great Commission, isn't it? This is the Good News Cruise that we're doing on Saturday. This is our calling to invite people to come to Jesus. Anyone that we can find. So who are we supposed to, to go after? Anyone that, are we supposed to look for people who are like us? Sure. But not just like them. Are we supposed to look for people in the same social and economic level as us? Sure. But not just people like that. Are we supposed to invite people from other countries? Yes. And from people from around here. This is a general call to tell everybody about the wedding banquet. Everybody. So that the wedding hall gets filled with guests. Whom have you invited to come to Jesus? Whom have you told about the party, about the kingdom of heaven? What are we doing to populate the wedding hall with the guests of the son of the king? Yesterday at the men's breakfast, Brian Soans told his story of coming to faith in Christ. Brian came from a Christian family and looked on the outside like a believer. I thought he was. I didn't know he wasn't. But he was actually resistant on the inside. And the Lord was calling Brian to himself. Blair Murray saw through Brian's mask and went after Brian and invited him to come to Jesus. Didn't happen right away. Ask Brian how it happened. But then the dam broke and Brian came in to faith in Christ. I think it's interesting that Jesus says in verse 10 that the good and the bad both came in. I think he means the religious and the irreligious. I think it means that there's hope even for the religious if they will repent. Guys like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. But Jesus is looking for the bad too. I love it that this church is not afraid to go after the last, the least, and the lost, the hardened, and even the scary. That at the wild game dinner, we have some scary-looking hombres. That the sons of God reach out to the harder of the MCs. And who knows who might drive up this coming Saturday or come to look at all the beautiful cars. Let's look at each one as somebody the Lord wants us to invite to come to the banquet. We need to invite them to come to Jesus, to not chicken out. The king is sending us. We're his servants in this story. 
In the first part of the story, we're told, come to Jesus. In the second part of the story, we're, said, we're, invited to, we're sent to invite others to come to Jesus. Who are you telling about Jesus? I mean it. Who? Like right now, in your life, who are you telling about Jesus? Who are you inviting to come to the banquet? So that the wedding hall is full to overflowing. You never know what's going to happen in one of Jesus' stories. You might think that this story is over and it's happily ever after story, right? He throws a party, these people don't come, he sends the judgment on them, and then he goes after other people and he invites them to come. End of story, right? Happily ever after. Happy barbecue at the wedding party. Well, it is for those who came the right way to the wedding banquet. But not everybody did. Look at verse 11. There's another part to this story. A twist at the end. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. You never know what's going to happen in one of Jesus' stories. This guy is actually at the banquet. He didn't refuse to come. He's chomping down on the, on the fattened calf, right? He's got the smoked barbecue sauce. But he's not wearing wedding clothes. Now that might mean that he didn't wash before coming. He's dirty as all get out. Or... The king might have provided clothing for the wedding, not just food but clothes, and he's not, he didn't take advantage of that. Either is possible. Either way, this guy has refused to come presentably to the wedding. Do you know what he's doing? He's insulting the king and his son. He's showing contempt for the king and his son. When they confront him about this, he has no excuse. He's speechless. It's not, like, it's not like they're coming to him. You're not supposed to read this as like they're all angry. And he's like, oh no, I didn't realize. I'm sorry. You know, I, 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 oh, I, I. That's not the kind of speechless this is. This is speechless because he has no good reason for being at this wedding in such an unpresentable way. He's happy to eat the food, but he's not about to change for the king. Here's application point number three. Change for Jesus. Change for Jesus. This guy was not willing to change. Now, I'm not exactly sure what the wedding clothes represent in this parable. Scholars have thought lots of different things. Some, for some, it might be salvation itself. For some, it might be faith. They, the clothes might be Jesus' imputed righteousness placed on our account. All of those make lots of sense. They are good possibilities with biblical precedent. I tend to think that the wedding clothes are just basically repentance. Like John the Baptist that he's been talking about. Like John the Baptist had been preaching to them. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. This guy, to me, thought he could get in without repenting. He could show up for the party without coming under the authority of the king. He thought he could get all the benefits of the kingdom without actually entering the kingdom. 
He thought he could thumb his nose at the son of the king and still be okay. But now he stands exposed and condemned with no excuse. Are you willing to change for Jesus? Whatever he wants, that's what he should get. What do you need to change for Jesus? An attitude? A habit? A relationship? A priority? Let me ask you a question. Do you think the king was overreacting here? I think every time I've read this story, I thought, well, that's a little harsh. Getting tossed out for not wearing the right clothes to the wedding when you were so concerned that people come to the wedding. That's the totally wrong way to look at it. Because this wedding banquet is about who? It's about the son. Why is, he, why is this man being tossed out into what amounts to hell? Handcuffed and thrown outside into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth? Keep your eye on the ball. It's because of the insult this was to the son, isn't it? Let me put it in other terms. You go to a wedding. And there's this guy at the wedding, and he's wearing a t-shirt that he's had made up specially for the t-shirt. It has a picture of the bridegroom and an obscene word on it. Okay? That's what this guy was doing at the wedding banquet. That's what it's like to claim to love Jesus, but to refuse to allow him to change us. Because remember, Jesus is expecting fruit. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Verse 14, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Many hear the outward call. Come to the wedding banquet. But not all of them respond in repentance and faith. In fact, many are apathetic. Many, in fact, are hostile to this call. But some play act like they're in. But you can tell by looking at them that they most certainly are not. How do you know if you're chosen? How do you know if you're chosen? You repent and you come to Jesus and you allow Him to change you. You honor the Son. You kiss the Son. You bow before the Son. You exalt the Son. And you enjoy the Son forever. Because you come to the wedding banquet.